What's going on, Thrive Church? How's everybody doing today? That's awesome. Well, as Pastor Keith has mentioned, my name is Brian, and I get the chance to hang out and share with you guys some things that I think are amazing. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you something that I think really is, is a key element for us to live out the mission of God. I don't know how many of you are kind of like me that really want to live God's mission for your life. Well, today, we're going to talk about what it looks like to really walk in the unstoppable mission of God. So we're in Acts chapter 17, but before you turn to Acts chapter 17, why don't we take a moment and just pray? Is that okay to do that here in Thrive Church today? Let's pray today. Lord God, this is your word. This is your day. Throughout history, we've called it the Lord's day. And so today, we open our hearts to what you, the Lord, would say to us. Help us see our place in your mission. Help us see how your mission is working in us. And as we go through your word today and, and just be together, we're grateful for that opportunity. And so we invite you to open our eyes, change our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we've been talking about this unstoppable mission. Now, notice I said we. Do you know why I said that? Because I'm a Thrive Church Onliner. Did you know that? I've been watching Thrive Church Online forever and ever. Um, I was a pastor of a church for about 10 and a half years. And for those 10 and a half years, we did two things. We tried to passionately follow Jesus, and we tried to copy everything Thrive Church ever did. And so I've been a Thrive Church Onliner since before there was such a thing as Thrive Church Online. And, and so we've been looking at this series, Unstoppable. And what I want to tell you today is God's mission is absolutely unstoppable. Now, you know that, right? Like, you... You know that. You're like, I got out of bed this morning for this guy to tell me God's mission is unstoppable. But you know the thing is, while God's mission is unstoppable, you and I can stop our place in God's mission. And today what I want to share with us is what it looks like to stop our place in God's mission or to step to the side and allow God to show up in our lives. As Pastor Keith shared, uh, we've known each other for a long time. And I've known Pastor Kevin for a little bit longer than Pastor Keith. Um, we were giving one another fish bumps way before it was a thing. I heard that too, okay? And, and so uh, when I first became a follower of Jesus, I'm one of those non-traditional guys. We only came to church like on Christmas and Easter and Mother's Day. That's why you need to make sure you're volunteering on Christmas and Easter and Mother's Day because you'll get somebody, well, maybe I'm not the best billboard for getting people in church, but just trust me, volunteer. And so I became a follower of Christ, and there was this guy who was in the church that had been a follower of Jesus about a year longer than me, and he's about this tall. You know who I'm talking about? You know who I'm talking about. His name was Kevin Bordeaux, and, and he was a guy who was just man, passionate about Jesus. And, and so he kind of took me under his wing. Now, I had to duck down really low to get up under that wing, but he kind of took me under his wing. He's not here, so whatever. And uh, so uh, we would go, and we would have Mexican food. And we would eat chips and salsa and talk about Jesus. And he would often say things like, well, you know, the Bible says, and I didn't. I had no idea what the Bible says. So I lied in the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The Bible says, mm -hmm. yeah, I know. I was reading the other day, second opinions. I know the Bible says it there, uh-huh. And we did this, like, after our Monday night youth ministry and like, Wednesdays and all, all kinds of things like that. And eventually I'm like, I'm going to get him. This week I'm going to tell him. Well, you know, the Bible says, and I'm going to study and be able to tell them what the Bible says. And so that week I was like, yeah, man, and I was reading earlier, and here's what the Bible says. And, you know, he didn't appreciate that the way he needed to. 
I'm like, man, I'm studying the Bible for you, and you're not even appreciating what I'm doing for you. I'm like that mom that's like, nobody helps me clean in this house. I'm the only one that does everything. And, and so, I, but it, it like forced me to, to get into the word. See, there's something about community, right? There's something about being together and being on mission together. Churches are notorious for saying things like, do life together. We need to do mission together too. Come on, somebody. Oh, I'm coming over here. Y'all are my people on this side. Hallelujah. And so shortly after that, now again, Pastor Kevin and myself, we're kind of green. We didn't really grow up in church. And so we did this weird thing that I think every Christian should do. We read the Bible and believed it. We still try to do that most of the time. But we read the Bible and believed it. And, and we saw that there was this book in the Bible called Acts. And in the book of Acts, we saw people constantly going out and sharing the gospel with people. And we had this conversation one day. It was after a uh, Monday night youth ministry. And we're standing outside talking. And, and, and he says, have you noticed that there are a lot of, like, Jehovah's Witnesses going door to door in our town? Now, our town is really small. Pastor Keith was really nice to say there were more hogs than people. There are. And um, there are actually probably more people in this room today than in our hometown. And, and so we're talking like, man, there's a lot of people like going door to door and, and sharing this faith that's not really a faith. And there are a lot of Mormons that are gathering together on bicycles and riding all over town and, and sharing their faith with people. But do you know what we couldn't find in our hometown? Mark Thomas. We couldn't find anybody in our hometown that was going door to door sharing the gospel of Jesus. And so here we are reading through the book of Acts together and, and we're like, well, let's do it. That's what Paul and Silas did. That's what Paul and Barnabas did. Why can't we do it? And so you know what we did? We met together on Saturday mornings and we would park in the funeral home parking lot because it was a big parking lot and it was free to park there. And we would walk around town. Now, our town is really small, and it's got, like, the classic Americana town square. Like, the courthouse is in the center, and there's, like, the statue out front, and, and all these, like, old diners that used to be really, really popular back in the 50s that are kind of still barely holding on, but that's our hometown square. And so we would walk, and, and we're, like, gathering at Saturday morning. We'd meet at, like, 8 o'clock in the morning. That's one way you know if I love Jesus. I'm there early. And so uh, we're walking through the town, and it's like... Whoever God would bring in our path, we're going to share with them about Jesus. And so we're walking on this Saturday, and we're sharing, we're bumping into people, and I am so nervous. Because I don't have a problem speaking. I have a problem getting the conversation started. And I'm like Mr. Awkward. I will start a conversation by saying something like, hey, what about a fish bump? And I'm like, uh, dadgummit, that's not the way to start a conversation. And, and so, so, so Kevin would kind of start the conversation. And we'd talk to people, and you know what happened? Some people gave their lives to Jesus. Can you imagine that? Christians sharing the mission of Jesus, people open their hearts to the gospel. And this one time in particular, we're walking and we can kind of see them in the distance. It's this two guys that are walking together and they've, they've got black pants on and, and a white dress shirt and a tie. And they're pushing bicycles. And you guys can see them with me, right? They're kind of in the distance. And, and, and we can see them and we're like, this is them. This is the moment we've been waiting for. Because, like, you remember that one time in the book of Acts where the slave girl's following Paul, and he's like, get out, demon. And, like, so we're like, here it goes. It's our time to shine, boo. Let's go. And so we see him, and we're walking toward them. And, and here's what you got to know about your pastor. You don't know your pastor. 
that man can get aggressive about Jesus. Okay? And here's something that's uh, kind of a side note is we have another friend named Joseph. And, and Kevin and Joseph would kind of partner with me. So one of them would go with me on this Saturday and the other would go the next Saturday because I walk with strides that are like this. And Pastor Kevin, he's like three to keep up with me. And so he's like, man, I'm not doing that. Well, we see these guys in the distance. And here goes old bulldog Kevin. And now I'm trying to keep up with them. And, and I've got like this index card in my pocket that tells me the scriptures that I want to read to them because I hadn't really memorized all of them. And, and, and we get there. And we just open this conversation up and we're sharing with them and they're kind of giving us their perspective from the Mormon faith and we're kind of talking back and forth with them. And, and I'm honestly in a little bit of a daze because I can't believe we're actually talking to people of another faith here. And then Kevin says something that blows my mind. He says, well, you know, Andrew, now by the way, these guys had not introduced themselves to us at all. How did he know their name? And I am blown away because in my mind, the Holy Spirit of God just went, and told Pastor Kevin their names. So I'm not listening to anything Kevin's saying. He's talking to them about Jesus, and I'm like, this guy knows their name. Like, I've seen stuff like this in the Bible, signs and visions. I guess Kevin's got signs and visions now. And we share the gospel with them, and, and they, of course, they, they don't open their heart to Christ at that moment, but we walk away, and I'm like, how did you know their name? Was this like God speak to you or something? And he said, they had a name tag on, bro. So, pro tip, look and see if they have a name tag on. Now, the reason I share all of that with you is God's mission is unstoppable. If we as followers of Jesus would just go out and share the gospel of Jesus, you know what would happen? God would show up, and God would show off in a crazy way. However, if we're not careful, we can stop God's mission in our lives, or at least stop our part in it. See, when we went out on those Saturdays, we didn't have any preconceived ideas. We hadn't prejudged how people were going to be. We didn't say, oh, those Mormons, they're not going to hear what we have to say. We didn't go, oh, can you believe those Democrats? They're good. The country's going to non-heaven in a handbasket. We didn't say, oh, those Trump supporters, there's no reason talking to them about Jesus. I'm sorry, am I getting too real? It gets worse. See, what happens is God has this incredible mission to save souls. God has this incredible mission. We, with the church kind of got infected years ago with this, like, live your purpose out. Folks, we're to live the purpose of the gospel out. And that's what our purpose is, is to rally up under the purpose and the vision of God. And as we go sharing the gospel, as we step into the mission of God for our life, it doesn't matter how they vote. It doesn't matter how they look. It doesn't matter what side of town they live on. It doesn't matter if there are more hogs than people in their town. It doesn't matter anything outside of us realizing that with God on our side, if God be for us, who can really be against us? But you know we can stop God's mission by our attitude. See, it's really easy to condemn people, isn't it? I didn't realize it was this quiet in Thrive Church. Wow, that's amazing. Maybe you aren't ready for it, so I'll just I'll say it again. It's really easy to condemn people. It's really easy to hear somebody talk about, oh, I'm sending good vibes to the universe, and roll your eyes so far back into your head you see your spinal column. It's really easy for us to condemn people for their beliefs that it is for us to connect with them. 
But I want you to hear me. If you don't hear anything else I say today, I need you to hear this right here. Connectors will win more people for Jesus than condemners ever will. Connectors will win more people for Jesus than condemners ever will. Now, that doesn't mean we compromise our values. That doesn't mean we compromise our integrity. Newsflash, in case you don't know, when you're a follower of Christ, you're supposed to look a lot more like Jesus than you did before you met him. Okay, like holy living does matter. Who we are as followers of Jesus does matter. But what we've got to realize is that Jesus has sent us out on mission to reach those far from God. And do you know when you reach people far from God, you're going to reach people that don't look the same way that you look. You're going to reach people that spiritually don't live the way that you live. They don't carry the same morals that you carry. They don't have the same values that you carry. And when I talk about you stopping your part in the mission of God, this is at a global level. This is at the capital C church level. This is at the local C, local church level. But this is also at your home level as well. If we're not careful, our attitude toward those on the outside will cause us to stop standing in God's mission for our lives. We see that in Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 is really a story where there's one of these most important or influential people in the Bible, a guy by the name of Paul. You've probably heard of him before. Two-thirds of the New Testament were written by this guy. He's a key influential leader for the gospel. Well, he finds himself in a city called Athens. Now, this is Athens, Greece, not Athens, Georgia, where the back-to-back -back national championship University of Georgia Bulldogs are. Go dogs! That's not the same Athens. Should I say that again? Yeah, okay. I'm a middle school teacher, and I've got a lot of students that are somehow Alabama fans. Roll tears. All right, so back to Jesus. So Paul is in Athens, Greece, and Athens was known for its idolatry. As a matter of fact, there's an, an ancient historian who's made this statement. In Athens, it's easier to find a statue or an idol than it is to find a person. Now think about that. They didn't have more hogs than people. They had more idols than people. And so Paul is here, and that's where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 23. Here's what it says. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. Notice that. He was troubled. Some translations say he was provoked in his spirit. I love that, right? I feel like I get provoked in my spirit all the time. I'm from the Hampton Roads area, and if you've ever driven in that traffic, you know what it means to be provoked in your spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. I need prayer. Where's the, I need to text that nextstepsprayer.me at Thrive. I need, I need help. Verse 17. He went into the synagogue. Notice how Paul uses this provocation. Notice what happens when he gets troubled that those people are living like those people should live. He doesn't boycott them. He doesn't cancel them. It always gets quiet in churches when I say that. I'm not telling you to not boycott people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying this. If all we're known for in the mission is what we don't do, we'll never be known for what we do engage in. Here we go. So Acts 17, verse Acts 17, 17. He went into the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. And he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. 
he also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. This is the Areopagus. The Areopagus is essentially kind of a mixture of the town council and maybe like an academic faculty lounge. So they would constantly debate about various philosophies and about various religious worldviews that would influence how their city and how their culture was. So they took him there to the high council of the city, the middle of verse 19. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And on one of your altars, it had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. I want you to just notice how Paul handles the situation. He's waiting in Athens for his ministry partners to show up. He's not on official ministry business. We sometimes can turn into that as Christians. We used to say at our home church, Pastor Kevin and I would always joke, that sometimes it's easier to be a Sunday saint and a Monday ain't. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like you put your church hat on on Sunday and you, you can... The problem with being a Christian is you can kind of learn how to be a Christian without ever being one. And so you can learn how to say the right words, use the right language, raise your hands at the right time, give at the right time, all these things. And it's easier to do that than it is for us to fully submit to Christ. And, and so Paul, he's, he's not on mission time. He's just Paul the person. The problem with somebody who lives with God's unstoppable mission is you can't just be Paul the person. Everywhere you go, you'll see people in light of how is the gospel touching this person? How is the gospel reaching this life? And so he travels around the city and he sees altars everywhere. Many of you have traveled to several places and, and you know that oftentimes the older buildings are the ones that are so awesome to go and look at. Well, these weren't the older buildings. These were the buildings in that day. A few years ago, I got a chance to go to Israel and I stood right in the same synagogue in Capernaum where, where Jesus was when, when, when he said, man, you follow me because you ate loaves and fishes, but I'm telling you, you got to eat my flesh and drink. I stood there where he said, I'm like, oh, this building is like awesome. Well, those were the, the buildings in which these Athenians had their shrines and their idols. And, and the, the, the word says that Paul was provoked or he was troubled in his spirit. And here's the thing. When he was provoked... It didn't lead him to condemn them, but rather it led him to connect with them for the gospel. And so I just want to tell you, if, if we don't get this, there's a danger that we can turn into gatekeepers. You know what a gatekeeper is? A gatekeeper is somebody who stands at the church and says, you can't come in here until you look like this. A gatekeeper is somebody that says, now listen, we're glad you're part of our church, but you probably should change the way you're dressing. Nobody comes into a church wearing black shirts like that, Pastor Keith. You need to fix that. That's not allowable in this church. You know what? We're so glad you're a part of Thrive Church, but you've got to start listening to different music. 
That's what gatekeepers do. They can sometimes turn into gate slammers. And what Paul does is instead of turning into a gatekeeper, he shows them who Jesus is. And so if you really want to step into God's mission in a greater way for your life, there are three things I'm going to leave you with very, very quickly. Now, they're simple, but simple doesn't mean that they're easy. Here's the first one. You ready for this? Don't expect unbelievers to act like believers. Isn't that so simple? Don't expect unbelievers to act like believers. How do unbelievers act like? Unbelievers. They act like unbelievers. I love it. I've got three children, and, and my oldest are twins. They're 10-year-old twins, and y'all pray for me. And my youngest is six years old. And uh, I'm just going to say this. I teach middle school, and I can't wait to go back to school to get away from mine. You know what I'm saying? I hope they're not live streaming this in the kids' ministry right now because edit that out of the live video. Hallelujah. But my kids are awesome. And, and, and sometimes I'll see these new young parents, and they're like, man, the baby was up all night. And we didn't get any sleep. And I'm like, because uh, they're babies, right? Like, if your newborn sleeps through the night, first of all, I don't believe you. Second of all, maybe go see a pediatrician, right? Because babies wake up about every three and a half minutes and scream to the top of their lungs, right? Because that's what they are. Unbelievers are going to act like unbelievers. They're not going to vote like you. They're not going to hold office positions the way that you would hold an office position. They're not going to have the same morals that you would have. If they did, if they already were salt, you and I wouldn't need to be salt of the earth, would we? Instead, when we can understand that those that are far from God are going to act just like they're far from God, and we've been called to be the ones to go out and bring them back to the Lord, connect the dots of them and the Lord in their lives, then that lets us off the hook of being offended. Because here's what I've learned. When I'm offended with you, I don't love you enough to share Jesus with you. And if I can make you them and me us, I'll never accept you until you're part of us. You'll always be them. Let unbelievers in your mind act like unbelievers. It's our job to go and share the gospel with them. Don't have a preconceived notion that this is who they are and this is how they're always going to be. Unbelievers are going to be unbelievers. Here's the next thing, number two. Take advantage of every opportunity you have. Paul was grieved in his spirit that there were idols in the city. And did you see what it said that he did? Verse 17 said, then he went into the synagogue which is where the Jewish people were at. So this is kind of Paul's wheelhouse. This is what he's good at. He's a Jewish religious leader. That's who he is before he becomes a follower of Jesus. He's what we refer to in the Bible as a Pharisee. Now, usually they get a bad rap, like, boo, Pharisees. But you know what your Lord said about them? Unless your righteousness exceeds theirs. Right? Like, these were people, they knew the word. They were, genuinely started out with the heart to connect with God. But somewhere along the way, they turned into gatekeepers. See, this Paul, he knew the Jewish scriptures, and that was his wheelhouse. So he took advantage of that opportunity. He went into the synagogue. Here's a question for you. Who's your synagogue? Who's your wheelhouse? For me, my wheelhouse is Christian leaders. That's what I've been most of my adult life. I've worked with Christian leaders. I now have shifted as a parent. I can talk with some kind of authority into the lives of other parents. Who's your wheelhouse? 
Maybe you're musical. Maybe you're artistic. Maybe you have an academic mind. Whatever it is, where's your wheelhouse? Where's your synagogue? That's where he went. But he didn't stay in the synagogue, did he? It says he went out into the marketplace. He went out into the streets. And eventually he was invited to the Areopagus, to the highest of the high. And here's what I want us to know. If we're willing to take advantage of every opportunity God sends us our way, do you know what God will start doing? He'll start sending us more opportunities. How many of you in here are parents? Just throw your hands up. Bye. we got a lot of parents in the room here. Do you know what happens when that one kid does what you've asked that one kid to do finally? You like them a lot more, don't you? Don't tell me I love them all the same and I don't have a favorite. Don't t- you are in the church of the living God today. Do not tell me that. You know the one that says, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. The one that cleans up the fastest with the less back talk is your favorite is in the wheel at the top. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Oh, I love them all. Yeah, yeah, okay, good, right. I love them all. Okay, cool, 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 cool. The reason I'm saying this is when we clean our room, so to speak, God gives us an extra late bedtime. When we take advantage of opportunity A, God opens the door for opportunity B and opportunity C and opportunity D. This is what I love about Pastor Mark Thomas. He, he like, have y'all seen this guy on Facebook? It's like anytime he opens his eyes, three people get saved. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So then I'm talking to him one day, and I'm like, Mark, I'd love to do what you're doing. And he's like, well, you can't do what I'm doing unless you do what I'm doing. You've got to go. Take advantage of every opportunity. And here's the last one. Connect the dots in people's lives. Paul goes to them and says, you have an altar to an unknown God. I'm here to show you who the unknown God is. Aren't you glad somebody connected those dots in your life? For me, it was two people, a guy by the name of Brett Cooper and a guy by the name of Kevin Bordeaux. They connected the dots of Jesus in my life. I want to ask you just, just, there are two types of people in here today, two types of people that are watching online. Maybe you're in here and you're kind of superstitious. You've got an altar to an unknown God. Well, if I go to church and I do all these things and Maybe God will forgive me. I want you to know there's a, the unknown God in your life wants to really be known by you. And his name is Jesus. He gave his very life for you. And maybe you're in here and you have a relationship with Jesus. Are you connecting the dots on an even deeper level with what God wants to do in your life? Are you connecting the dots with those that you come into contact with? I like to say this to my students. I like to say that, that if reality TV cameras were to follow you around for a week, would they know that you're a follower of Jesus? Now, they can't turn the cameras off, by the way. The cameras are with you all the time. Would they know that you're a follower of Jesus? Connect the dots in other people's lives, but don't forget that connected people connect people. And if you're not connecting people, are you connected yourself? So here's my call to action for you. Look around. Find those places where you can connect the dots with people. Find those places where maybe it's a coworker that has a little altar to an unknown God. Now, it's probably not a, a real altar in their office, but, but maybe they've said things like, well, I'm just sending good vibes into the universe. Maybe that's an opportunity for you to say, that's amazing. Do you know who created that universe? That's what Paul does. If you read the rest of Acts chapter 17, you'll see he connects the dots with them and with Jesus. And ultimately, he talks about the resurrection. And you know what happens? Some people respond well, 
some people ridicule him. That's what will happen to us. That's okay. See, the results are God's job. The connecting the dots is what he's entrusted us with. So look for connection points and step into God's unstoppable mission for your life. We're going to pray in just a second. And as we do, I want you to know something. You can connect every dot because you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And once those dots have been connected with you, it's really easy to help connect them with others. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for being a connector. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to be intentional about being on mission. Help those that are far from you be close to our heart. Help us live your unstoppable mission in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.